Hey guys, welcome back to See Me Up Body. Before we get going on this episode, I need to apologise for the sound quality in the last episode. For and I'm kind of raging too because it was for the Raff of Can and the best, in my opinion, Star Trek movie ever made. But uh, it is what it is, guys. I'm an amateur new at this stuff we make mistakes and i could have avoided that bad sound mistake if i had have just tested the audio recorder what i did was i'm recording a lot of podcasts right now and i'm using the zoom h4n and a reasonably decent microphone here but you can feel your fortune on batteries using the zoom h4n uh, great results, a lot of batteries going through it. So, Bright Spark here decides let's get a little cable so we can connect it directly to the mains. Didn't bother my ass checking the sound recording on the recorder because rec- you're listening to it now. The recording is absolutely phenomenal, even with a reasonably, not even a reasonably price. Now, this is this microphone I'm using, but that's. It's that cheap, it doesn't even have a make on it. I think I got it off Amazon for like £20. And, uh, or was it Wish? Or well, some of them sites where you can buy, and you get what you pay for, basically. And this is what this mic is. But it works reasonably well with this recorder. But, when I plugged it to the mains, there was this buzz came through. And again, if I had to just put a set of headphones into the, the recorder, would have caught it, would have restarted it again. But... It is what it is. It's uh, early days. I'm an amateur at this stuff. And uh, I'm comfortable with making mistakes. Because if you get comfortable... I'm not a perfectionist by any stretch. And perfectionism is just an excuse to do nothing. So, you know what? Just screw it. Put it up online, and uh, I thought, you know, if anybody's interested in listening to Skim Me Up Body, they're not going to let a little bit of bad audio put them off completely. It's, it's, you want to hear some of the other stuff I've done over the years. Plus, the best thing about doing that sort of thing is once you do eventually start getting better doing your stuff, you know, you'll see that the evolution of the, the creative process. So... Let's get into this episode with Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock. So, legends, there's only a few of you guys so far that are tuning in for this podcast, and uh, I would appreciate it if you'd hit the follow on it and uh, give me a little review over on iTunes. And uh, I would love you forever. Now this episode has gone out extremely late. Because over the last two weeks. I put my car on for some repairs. And yes I took a full two weeks for it to come back. And I literally. In the two weeks holidays. Sitting my ass watching Netflix. And lots of Star Trek and uh, 
no care. Couldn't get out of the house, even though you know, we're in lockdown anyway. It really shouldn't get out unless it's necessary stuff. But, you know, sometimes you just need that little bit of movement just to blow out the cobwebs. Like, I'm... That's one thing for me, great stress relievers, to just jump behind the wheel of the car, stick on some vibes and head off for a completely pointless drive. This episode's lit, it's because that's what happened tonight. Got the car back on Sunday evening, literally 7.30pm by the time we got it back home. And I had to get up at stupid o'clock for work the next morning, back to the, the grind. So, a lot of mechanical work done on the engine. And I got four new tyres put on it today. So I dug out Bon Jovi's bounce, jumped into the car and off for two hours. Just completely pointless drive, just turn up those vibes. Mm, love it. Anyway, let's get on to Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock. Now, Leonard Nimoy only came back for Star Trek 2 because he was promised... Uh, a death scene for Spock and of course if you listened to the last episode I talked about the part where him and McCoy met other in the engine room and he did the Vulcan neck pinch on McCoy knocking him out and then he did the put the, the main meld hands to his face and said remember now when that film was shot memory served me correctly that was added in as like a little backdoor thing in case things changed before the next film, you know, whether they could talk them into coming back or whatnot, or if the film was even going to be a success at this point when they were making Star Trek 2, the poor performance of the motion picture cast a big shadow on it. So, Star Trek 2 released massive, massive success, and of course, everybody wanted a sequel to The Wrath of Khan. So, Leonard Nimoy is actually directing this movie, and that was the deal for him coming back. Now, forgive me, a Star Trek fan should have this knowledge at the top of his fingers, but I don't. I think he came back on a two-movie deal as a director, so I think he directed The Search for Spock and The Voyage Home. Now... Something in my head that's telling me it was free movies. But there's a nagging doubt there. That I think it was probably only the two. But, uh, yes. I think the free movie thing where I'm getting at that is because, essentially, Star Trek 2, 3 and 4 are like a trilogy. They're almost the, the one story. And in fact, they are very connected in the one story if you really, really sit there and think about it. But anyway, this came out in 84. Uh, it was written and produced by Harv Bennett. Uh, of course, Gene Roddenberry has kept out of it again. Uh, I think that was a good idea for the movies. Roddenberry is very good at television. I love his shows. Well, the majority of them anyway. But whenever it came to the motion picture, he, he didn't drop the ball. But he, he made some choices that would have probably worked better. On television than it would for a movie but anyway in this third film we pick up pretty much directly after Star Trek 2 The Wrath of Khan Enterprise is returning to Earth and you know some of the the crew has been you know sent off to other ships other assignments and whatnot and 
uh, Kirk he's coming to terms with the the loss of his best friend. But upon arriving at the the space dock, uh, that scene is absolutely fantastic. Like the the raising budget for this movie was definitely very apparent with the whole space dock and the Enterprise actually landing into it. Uh, fantastic, and you know, you see the the Starfleet members all stand at the windows and the Enterprise is coming in with the holes ripped out of it and they're just there's a, <laughs> there's a woman she's just like shaking her head you know it's just like ah, Kirk's behind the Kirk's responsible for this again like you can't take the ship out without wrecking the place <laughs> so no sooner are they back home to Kirk gets a, a visit from Spock's father Sarek and he's you know why did you not bring him home? You know, he trusted you. He gave you his most important... The thing that was most important to him, which, as we find out in this film, that what they made of the Vulcan uh, neck-pinch scenario when he did the mind meld, he actually transferred his Catra over to McCoy. But Sarek thinks that he did it with Kirk. But Kirk tells him you know, when he died we were separated by two panes of, uh, pane of glass you know we, we couldn't touch each other so sorry because like you know it's unfortunately everything that Spock was is, is lost he's gone but Kirk is like you know what if, if it was that important Spock would have found a way and then they, of course they go and check the the security footage on the Enterprise <laughs> And I always love it in these shows, never to do this and whatnot, TV and movies. And it's basically, you know, it's, it's not security footage you're looking at whatsoever. It's like they've rented out the DVD <laughs> and they're playing it back because it's the exact shot from the movie where you see Spock coming and going, remember. So they figure out McCoy has it. And there's a whole problem with getting the crew together. Well, the crew that's going to volunteer to jump onto this mission because it's the Starfleet is against it. They have decided that the Enterprise is far too old. You know, they've decided to decommission it. And uh, the Genesis planet has become uh, a real galactic argument. It's, it's a forget forbidden planet. Nobody's allowed to get near it and whatnot. So Kirk... McCoy, Scotty, you know, they finally get together and hijack the Enterprise and Scotty. Wires it up so that it can be pretty much be manned by a couple of people from the bridge alone. And no crew other than the four or five that are on the Enterprise. And Kirk actually says, you know, me and Dr. McCoy have to do this, but the rest of you... You know, you don't have to get involved in this. You, you save your career and whatnot. But of course, the bridge crew of the Enterprise, being the absolute legends that they are, I was like, yeah, we're going with you. Um, so the Steel Enterprise finally get it out of space dock, and uh, 
the new Excelsior Starship is well supposed to be not the replacement for Enterprise, but it's kind of like whenever they turn up and see this thing, it's like you know this is the next generation of Starship, and and uh, Scotty's like you know he's not impressed with it whatsoever. You know he's like Kirk has a huge love affair with the Enterprise, and uh, he gets his own back on the Excelsior and our captain when he disables its transwarp drive which is I'm trying to recall off the top of my head I've watched a lot of Star Trek over the years but the majority of it was you know reruns on TV if I caught it I caught it if not but uh, the whole transwarp thing with starships I can't recall that been mentioned much beyond this movie but anyway it's basically Enterprise trying to escape and the captain of Excelsior is like, you know, <laughs> they're never going to get away. Never, we've got transwarp drive. Like, we're far faster than Enterprise. We can track her down in no time. But basically, when they try to go to warp speed, she just conks out in space. A wee bit like, like my car. <laughs> so Enterprise gets off the head for the Genesis planet. And uh, Kirk's son, David, uh, is a key scientist. And they... Genesis development. Hammond Savick, who is played by Robin Curtis in this film, uh, they're investigating the Genesis planet on board the science vessel Grissom, I want to say. Uh, discovering an unexpected life form from the surface, Marcus and Savick transport to the planet and they find the Genesis device has resurrected Spock in the form of a child. Although his mind is not present, uh, Marcus eventually admits that he, he used an unstable proto matter and the, devel the development of the Genesis device. Uh, this is causing Spock to age rapidly, and the planet is aging rapidly as well. They're, Spock and the planet are kind of interconnected. Uh, when he has a growth spurt, the planet is, you know, there's volcanoes and whatnot going off, and you know the storms is getting up, and the planet is going to tear itself to shreds in the matter of hours, essentially. So uh, they have to get Enterprise there to get Spock, and the whole mission is basically to find Spock, get him to Vulcan where they can do. Uh, the Vulcan ritual, uh, foul. I'm trying to recall the name of it. Faltorpan. It's something like that. Uh, crazy mad words that the <laughs> the Star Trek universe has. I have trouble remembering some of them. But you know, basically, it's you know, get McCoy and Spock to Vulcan. And all this is happening. Uh, it's against Starfleet's wishes. So Kirk has put his whole career in the line. And everybody that's on Enterprise are on the line too. Um, when they get to the Genesis planet. Uh, the Klingons turn up of course. Krug. Uh, played by the epic Christopher Lloyd. Doc Brown himself is a Klingon in this movie. And he is absolutely fantastic. He takes uh, David Savick and the young Spock 
hostage. Spock, he's now had none to his like, teenage years at this point in the movie. And Enterprise turns up. Of course, the Klingon warship is cloaked. And at the cloaks, takes one shot at Enterprise. One torpedo. And disables Enterprise. And one shot. <clears throat> because of the way Scotty has it all wired up to be you know controlled by a couple of people on the bridge they basically are lucky enough to have the the main control point of this whole setup <coughs> takes enterprise out completely she's a sitting duck in space nose to nose with this klingon border prey and uh the back and forth starts and he <coughs> krug wants the the secret to the genesis planet to you know, if he gets a new Genesis device, it'll be the most destructive weapon in the face of the planet. So why him and Kirk are going at it to and fro from one ship to the other on the view screens. Uh, Krug orders one of the hostages to be killed. And he doesn't care which one. So a random Klingon comes up and he looks over all the... The hostages, you've got Savick, you've got David, and you've got Spock, and he goes for Savick, but David jumps to try and defend her, and he winds up getting killed. So, back up in space, Kirk discovers that his son, that he only, literally only found out that he had in the previous movie, which at this point couldn't be any more than a couple of weeks, maybe a month, at tops and uh there's a brilliant part whenever he finds out and again this is coming from memory like this could be completely false but i'm almost sure i heard it somewhere but when when he was directed when shatner was directed to react to finding out that david had been killed he was supposed to slump down under the captain's chair but of course as we all know see in the movie he goes to go back for the captain's chair and he misses it and slides off it and falls to the floor now that is one of these times within a movie that just you know that's the sort of stuff that you can't script like you know i think if that was in the script you know fall Go to sit down in the seat, and miss it, slide down. I think from the little experience I have had over the years of creating videos and projects here and there, a couple of short films and whatnot, I think when things like that are actually scripted and you, the actors are trying to do it, that's it's not that they can't do it convincingly, but I think whenever something like this happens where it's a genuine mishap but the actor is professional enough to actually just keep going with it you know like a lot of people i've seen in the past when when i've been directing something and something doesn't just go the way that i was looking for but at the same time from the director's standpoint this could work sort of thing and the majority of times people make that little mishap and they'll break character and actually like you know look for the director but Shatner in this moment 
continued it on played the scene out basically the way they wanted it done but that was the only difference but i think that had so much more of an impact so to get back to the movie this is the part the heartbreaking part of the movie for a lot of fans and even my brother has been known to get, not get emotional but he's just like you know this is just something i hate seeing in this movie he was he is what 10 years older than me 10 or 11 years older than me so he has well he doesn't he wouldn't remember it when on tv but he remembers the the syndication you know the uh the replays and tv of star trek a lot longer than i did and uh by the time we got to star trek free the enterprise before we even finished the, the original series, the Enterprise was as much a character in the show as any of the actors. And in the, and, and the movie here, to beat the Klingons, uh, Kirk decides to put the Enterprise in self-destruct. And there's a landing party going to beam to the Enterprise. Kirk says, give me a few minutes and we'll, we'll beam you beam the party on, we'll beam the your ship as prisoners, sort of a deal. But the land party, Kirk beams out of the Enterprise, the land party beams on and go to the, the bridge and they're all, you know, confused and there's no crew here. And uh, of course they hear the computer counting down, which is, in all fairness, has to be the dumbest cling on in the history of Star Trek like this guy is on the bridge of the Enterprise there's not a sinner to be seen they've walked the whole way from the transporter room haven't met anybody that should be warning enough something's not right here to get to the bridge there's nobody on it either and the computer's counting down it's like 7 6 5 so of course he just goes over like the, the other guys that's there with him they're not much better you know you walk on to the bridge of something and something's counting down you're going like oh, let's get the hell out of here but it's like he's on the communicator to Krug and he's like you know um there's only one thing speaking <coughs> excuse me and then of course he goes, leans over in his nonchalant sort of way and Krug hears the the timer and he's like get out get out of there and then of course we get the the sequence of enterprise getting blown up and uh a big difference from any of the other star trek shows and whatnot like we've seen quite a few ships over the years you know falling victim to the self-destruct but it's usually the warp core that goes up but i suppose whenever you think about it chronologically this is probably the first time that it was done in this movie. I can't recall in the original series offhand. And uh, I, I did watch the entire series there about three years ago. But I can't recall a starship. And there's plenty of ships destroyed over the year. But you know, it's. But anyway, uh, Enterprise, pretty much it's the dish where the, that explodes and... Uh, it's gone, and the only thing that's left is the the neck and the body of the Enterprise. The two nacelles is there, and she goes under a nosedive under the atmosphere of Genesis, and then of course on the planet we see Kirk and McCoy and Scotty, 
all looking up and you're seeing this here streak of fire going across like a shooting star and uh, Kirk's like oh my god bones what have we done and he's like you know same thing you always do you turn death into a fighting chance to live and that's pretty much it they go on their merry way to try and find Spock now what I was hoping for it to happen uh, whenever they were on the surface and they're looking up and see that fireball going across the sky. I wanted Scotty to beam on there a wee bit better. <laughs> beam on. I wanted him to get on there with something. Because, you know, and even that he didn't, you know, that's... I think if there had been a, a bit more of an emotional resonance in Scotty's face in that sequence, like this is, this is the ship... This is the ship, you know, it's, people will argue the point that the Enterprise from the original series and the movie Enterprise up until Star Trek 3 are not the same ship. Two totally different ships, but it is essentially the same frame with a different body on it. You know, it's just been, that's like what I did with my car over the last two weeks and like she was shafted. Like, if I didn't do something like that there, she would be in the scrapyard right now. But we tore out half the engine, put some new stuff on there, put a couple, four new tyres on it, and she's like a brand new car. So that's where, you know, but this is the ship that quite a few times over the years you've seen Kirk almost in tears over it. You've seen Scotty starting a fight with more Klingons than he can handle uh, because they insulted the Enterprise but in the movie here he's just kind of staring up under the, the sky watching this thing going across I would like to have seen for me what would have made it that scene even if Scotty didn't say something what would have made it for me is if they played the scene exactly the way they did it and Kirk and McCoy have their they're back and forth but Scotty's in the background and you see a single tear rolling down the cheek but he doesn't say anything because he's a Starfleet officer and he can't Kirk is Admiral at this point and even if he was still the rank of Captain you know what the higher ranks is goes and uh, that's probably the best way that that scene could have played out a single tear on Scotty's cheek and uh now that I've went through that whole rigmarole stuff, I need to go and check that movie again and see. Maybe there is a little tear or maybe just a little inkling of uh, him welling up. But anyway, basically from there we go across, they find uh, Savick and the Klingons and Spock. And then we get into the, the final showdown with the Klingons and uh, Krug, he beams down to the planet after he beams the the hostages and the Klingons up to the ship and him and Kirk have their final confrontation face to face in the planet and it's uh, pretty much give and take for a good part of the fight but uh, and something I did really like about the end of this movie is what Kirk does when he eventually gets to the uh, Klingon cruiser, he wins the fight. Krug, he falls into the uh, 
the lava fields of the volcanoes and stuff that's gone off and uh, basically the whole planet is ripping itself to shreds around them throughout the fight it's a great great sequence and uh, Kirk sorry Spock is still on the the surface at this stage too and uh, Kirk gets a communicator calls for the beam up and they get to the ship and there's this Klingon on the, the bridge and Kirk says you know, get him into the, the brig sort of thing and the Klingon's like I do not deserve the love and he's like fine I'll kill you later and that's it off he goes and uh, they work out how to <laughs> funny sequence between uh, Scotty and Sulu <laughs> and the funny sequence with those two trying to work out the controls of the the bird of prey and the, the whole planet blooms ex getting ready to explode they eventually get it off they go and of course end of the film we get Kirk and the crew waiting to see what happens and then they, the ceremony starts and McCoy and Spock are lying in, like, next to each other and the priestess she comes out and she puts the, the hands in the tomb they get through the ritual that transfers Spock's Kadra out of McCoy's head and back into his own so uh, yep at the end of the movie pretty much uh, Kirk and Spock have a moment together and Spock, he's like, you know, my father tells me you come back to save me. And he starts quoting lines from the end of Star Trek 2. I have been annoyed, Shelby, your friend, sort of thing. And the memories is slowly starting to come back. And he's like, why did you do it? Why did you come back from me? And uh, Kirk is like, because sometimes the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many. Then we get the... But finally, the last thing in the movie. Brilliant piece. Uh, as uh, Spock doing the the eyebrow raise at the very end of it, and you know, film closes out there. Basically, this is a great, great movie. Uh, for me, this is it's right up there with Star Trek Two. The Raff of Khan, like I've said it in the last episode, you know, it's I find it really difficult to judge between these mo two movies I absolutely love the two of them uh, the only difference in saying that is you know and like I said with, excuse me of Star Trek 2 your average Joe could roll up onto that movie sit down and watch it and really enjoy it for what it is and uh, I don't think that's the case for Star Trek 3 I think Star Trek 3 I think he you need to have that connection of Star Trek to enjoy it for what it is and uh, for me I, I Enterprise getting destroyed every time that sequence is absolutely amazing and uh, a lot more of a connection with that to jump way ahead you know you've got the the kelvin timeline movies where everything is just kind of like the mirror imaged of what happened before but they they got to star trek beyond the third movie in their run they decided they were going to destroy their enterprise 
uh, simply because it's the third volume and the Enterprise gets destroyed in the third volume historically and uh, yeah, yeah, for me at this that Enterprise that just didn't have the same kind of emotional response from me that Star Trek 3 The Search for Spock had because again as I say this is this is the ship that carried these guys throughout the the three seasons of the original run plus if you take into account the animated series and you have four seasons worth of Star Trek and then we get two movies and then the third one that's like losing it's like losing a member of the family basically but uh that was a bit of a tangent to finish it out that's a great great movie I absolutely love it guys and uh if you haven't seen Star Trek, uh, you need to watch it. You really do. And uh, if you're still listening to this podcast at this point, you're absolute gems. Legends. Uh, I talk an utter epic amount of garbage at the best of times. And I don't script these things whatsoever. If I need to get hold of some information, I jump onto the internet and have that Google search and pull up some of the facts and I need to get for it but the lifelong Star Wars Star Wars sacrilege lifelong Star Trek fan not the sort of hardcore fan that you would see go to conventions and whatnot but the great thing about classic Star Trek uh, the original series you know next generation DS9 Voyager, all those shows, they were great at just getting out of your head for a while and just, you know, getting getting yourself into another universe out there and, you know, another time and, you know, a vision of the future of what the human race could be instead of, like, new Star Trek, even though I do enjoy it. It is very preachy right now. Especially that third season of Discovery. But we'll eventually get to that at some point. Anyway guys, that's going to do it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you did, please give me a little... Uh, what way does it work with podcast? Do you have the thumbs up? I'm not sure. Anyway, give me a little rating review over on iTunes. And uh, shared long dear science fiction friends because as i've said a few times throughout these episodes that's not all going to be about star trek there's a crap load of other stuff that i'm checking out at the minute that will be a part of this at some point but we'll get into that stuff after we do the run of the movies so i'll see you i'll talk to you in the next episode this has been a production of coins edge media Check out my social media links in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening.